Hello and welcome to Michael and Ivanka's Grand Podcast, an optimistic exploration of the doom facing mankind. Wow. My name's Michael Forrest. And I'm Ivanka Magic. This is space part two. It is. It's space part two. Mm, And we're going to continue talking about space in fact and fiction, some science and some ecology and some transportation stuff maybe i don't know like space is big and so is this subject i may also touch on the the anthropic principle oh my goodness so you've got that to look forward to also space feminism space feminism <laughs> something like well, let's let's go into the episode How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Yes, I'm good, thank you. I went to London on Wednesday. Yeah. How was that? I got somebody bought me lunch, mm. which was very nice, and we had a good chat about life in the universe in a work-centric way. Mm. Then I went to speak to the people where I'm going to go to work in another week, week after next I start, and then I went to someone's leaving drinks. Which was, I really enjoyed it because there were lots of people there that I haven't seen for a long time and they're all people I like and admire. That's good. And I did that thing where I arrived at the pub, went in and I looked around, I couldn't see anyone and I knew, so I went, escaped. (laughs) And then I phoned Nick, I was like, can I come home now or do I have to say, because I only went up because it was kind of like a... It was an opportunity to see lots of people potentially for work and that kind of thing, so it was more colleague than friends leaving drunk drinks mm. type thing. And uh, Nick was like, well, why don't you just go in one more time, mm. <laughs> maybe buy yourself a drink, and then if you still don't see anyone you know, then you can leave. <laughs> okay. So. What do you think of that? What do you think of backdooring it? What does that mean? Like when you kind of leave without saying goodbye to people. I did that on Wednesday. Good. I Often, I'll just backdoor it. Yeah, I'll just be like, I, I don't, I don't want to have to go around and say goodbye to everyone and make false promises. Well, I, yeah, I said hello to everybody. Yeah, that's fine. That I knew and I met some new people and chatted to them and then you kind of like move off to a different little group. And then the last person I was talking to, who I've known for a very long time actually, and he he was like, yeah, you can just sneak out. You've got a train to catch, go. So I did. It's like, it's, I think it's win-win in that because if someone does see, then you've caught their eye and you can say goodbye to them. But if they don't, then, you know, no, no harm, no foul. It's like, because otherwise you've got to go through that interrupting conversations yeah, yeah, exactly. thing loads of times at the end, <laughs> which I don't like doing in the first place. Um, okay. So having to then do it a second time to go, to leave, just to be allowed to leave, I'm just going to sneak so, out if I can it also the nice the other nice thing about my my Wednesday is because I had one thing sort of uh, nearish to London Bridge then I had another thing nearish to Euston and then I was more Trafalgar Squareish. but I walked between all of them mm. and it's just nice because central London that sort of part of London the longest walk I think was I don't know 40 minutes from the London Bridge to the Euston appointment mm. That's mm. not long or far. No, so I good. enjoyed my. So I was a bit sort of, too, sort of little bit touristy, looking around. Uh, used city mapper, so it took me slightly different routes that I normally walk. Right. So I saw some new little bits. I went, oh, that's nice, nice little park there, that kind of thing. 
Oh, I didn't it's know good that when you there. you still sort of it's good when you just kind of re- remember you're in London and you can just kind of walk around London mm. and it's like oh London. Well, I mean, obviously you're visiting as a tourist, and I actually yes, live I was here. A tourist. I actually really live here. Michael, okay. <laughs> how are you? Do you know I had a little rant about the Kavanaugh thing? Yeah. Sorry, and uh, going. Can't we just have one one thing for once? Can it just seem to be going the other way? And then I just thought, I mean. We were getting a lot of those. We've been getting a lot of them going the right way for years and years and years. So a few are going the wrong way. But let's put it in perspective. A lot of things have been going the right way for a long time as well. Plus and I think yeah. even the stuff that seems terrible is, I think, symptomatic of an overall growing transparency and strange sort of sense of progress. But it is it is where, like stuff can just change so quickly that that's that's the most worrying aspect of it i see a frowny face on Ivanka. well i was gonna say we totally forgot in that whole can we just have one thing i mean ireland did repeal the eighth yeah that was one thing that was a big thing you know it's not all bad yeah yeah. can't we just win every time yes we want to win (laughs) we want to be winners winners every single time all the time winning 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 also i um I had a dream where the startup I was joining turned out to be funded with sort of like tax avoiding money. And in my dream, I stood to my principals and said, no, look, listen, let's can you like let's pay the tax and just it doesn't need to cost that much to build this thing. So I I stood up for it in my dream. So I was quite, you know, it's quite good this morning to wake up to and realise that maybe I would do the right thing. Principled human being. I recorded a kind of like feminist song actually before the Kavanaugh recording in sort of in response to it but it just didn't have the anger that it needed it what? was just a bit too blip 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 and i was like it shouldn't be a blip 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 it should be a it needs to have a bit more bite to it which is not usually a problem for music <laughs> i record usually it's too much the other way but strange to record a song and it not feel angry enough so i don't know although i think a lot of people would listen to my output and go most of this is quite optimistic Actually, Actually um, Michael. I had a thought on my bike yesterday that I just took down. We all have this idea that, um, you know, you should turn off the TV. You should be alone with your own thoughts for a change rather than just constantly distracting yourself with Instagram and Facebook and whatever it is. And it occurred to me that the, one of the reasons that it's annoying being left alone with your own thoughts is it just always repeats. It's like, oh, I'm having this memory again. <laughs> having this uh reliving this little bit of embarrassment again i've seen this one i don't need to go back here again i'll see some new ones Uh, for all the wonder of the human brain it does tend to go back down the same furrows if left unattended yes (laughs) you do need to do it a bit i did i had another sunday with no phone it didn't feel as good as well except it could didn't feel quite as good as last time. Yeah, I think the it's buzz wore off I've after the first time. <laughs> I've done, done that. It, done it once, done it before. Well, this is the thing. Like, I think it's really if you haven't done it for ages, like getting on a flight after having been working and on my phone for years and then just suddenly not having anything to do for a few minutes and getting that barrage of ideas and writing, frantically scribbling down thoughts... Then the next time you do it, it's the, they haven't got the same backlog. <laughs> 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 Back to space. Oh, yeah. That's what we were talking about. Space. Have you ever been to space? No, not recently. No, never. No, me neither. (laughs) 
I'd love to go. The thing about the human race, the thing about the Earth is the Earth, mm. once you start thinking in terms of millions and billions of years, is going to go. It's not going to be here forever. Even if we fix the climate, it's uh, the sun is going to expand. It's going to engulf the Earth. The solar system is going to become engulfed. You're going to get a supernova. Maybe you'll get a black hole. Like, is it going to be a champagne you start thinking, supernova? <laughs> probably not. Do you know, as I've got older, I've started to appreciate like Oasis is... I was always a Blur fan because I admired the technicality of it. Right. But actually, like in terms of sort of like life advice and emotions, I think there's probably a bit more in Oasis's lyrics than... Like blurs were always a bit like twee and throwaway, so may, I, maybe I understand a little bit about the appeal of, of Oasis a bit more than I did. I'm glad, yeah, I'm glad. That's, on side. That's, that's one thing that we've cleared up in the uh, space episode. You know, you have got to roll with it. You have got to take your time, <laughs> and you've got to say what you say. That was so fun. anyway. So, look, the Earth is going to die and the universe is going to die. Either way, like, it's finite. So we're really just putting off the inevitable. So well, even if we can fix the Earth at some point, we're going to have, if, we, if the human race is to survive, we've got to get off here and sort of, like, really get into one of those cruisers, yeah, get into... It's not, it's, not like be, a, it's not an urgent problem. No, it's not urgent, but, you know, technically for us, it's not urgent to fix the climate. It's our children, it's our it's humanity that we're caring about. You know, well, it might get a bit hot, but then, you know, how long have we got? <laughs> like, we'll be all right. It'll be quite nice here. Um, <laughs> it's, the, it's, the, it's the human race we're worrying about, really. Um, assuming Brighton's not in any danger of going under in the next few, you know, years. I live up a hill, I don't care. Well, mm. um, but yeah, the point is, like, eventually, you know, we, we need a strategy for getting off this planet. And and some scientists have been thinking about this for decades, uh, for, well, um, obviously a lot longer than that, but science has only been around for so long in its current form. But there's um, yes, the, there the, the problem... accuracy in all your statements, Michael. <laughs> it's all about accuracy. Go on. <laughs> I imagine our audience is entirely composed of pedants, like my dad. Or the Ubuntu community. <laughs> well, yeah. The, um, the problem ends up being Love you conservation guys. of energy. <laughs> Sorry, what was that? <laughs> I was just saying love you guys to the Ubuntu do community. Do you though? <laughs> I do. <laughs> okay, if you say so. <laughs> so, yeah. Sorry, you were talking about the heat death of the universe? I was talking, well, you made me start thinking about the entitlement of people getting stuff, a lot of hard work for free. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, did you give your attention to something? Oh, how inconvenient for you for it not to be what you thought it was going to be. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, uh, coming back, I'm not just talking about, it might, might have been maybe some feedback to our podcast I might be thinking about there as well. It's like... <laughs> You know, oh, oh, oh no, is it not quite exactly how you'd like it to be? Sorry that I use 20% of the time that I could be earning money instead to do this for free. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> sorry, you were slightly inconvenienced by the free app that I made for you that not quite behaving in the way that you imagined it should. Please send me an angry email. No, no, it's all about you. Um, sorry, I know, you know like, attention is valuable. Um, 
anyway, back to the heat death of the universe. Energy, you know, energy is... So we are leaning, we are moving towards entropy, entropy being an, a, an inevitable increase of disorder. So um, think of it like, you know, you pour some milk into your tea and stir it in. You ain't never getting that milk back out. It's like that with energy. It's stored in coal, it's stored in atoms that are then fused together with nuclear fusion inside stars and then it comes out and then that's that's dissipated now and that's going to come down to us so yes yeah, solar energy is great but that's going to run out in a few million billion years too um it's all got to come from somewhere so one of the first things you hear about when scientists speculate how to sort of retain some of it is one of the interesting things i read about was the idea of a dyson sphere where you basically turn Jupiter into raw materials and build a big uh, sphere around the Earth's bit of the solar system to stop so much of the sun's energy escaping. It's like a greenhouse. Um, so this, is a, this is a project. And they thought, well, maybe that's a bit ambitious. So maybe if we just make a disk the size of Jupiter's orbit in the solar system. 483 million mile radius disk to just reflect and that would reflect an awful lot of the sun's energy back and then we could sort of like harness that and that would be fine for that would, that would sort of beat beat the wolf from the door for a few more billion years but then the sun's still going to expand and eventually engulf the earth and we're going to have to sort of get out of here the universe is expanding and energy is dissipating and eventually you get to this point where it's just a sort of like cold even spread of matter and energy and and like there's no more interesting stuff going on anymore it's just like bleh. and we've we've talked before about the purpose of life essentially being what uh like there's energy for the taking embedded in this coal uh if you are capable of inventing fracking there's energy for the taking so it's sort of makes sense that the universe would have invented a thing that was able to have the idea to do some fracking and hence get that energy because the energy is there and it's all about the flow of energy once you start thinking about these things. This is becoming a bit of a monologue. If the human race is to survive, we're going to have to sort of like start spreading out among the stars one way or another. This is a topic on which I I think, you know, when you say something that's going to happen in a billion billion or a million <laughs> million or a million billion, I mean, that is so beyond my sphere of influence that mm. I just have never I've never been infected by the space fascination virus thing mm. it's like yeah that's all very interesting but you know sort of humans in their current form have been around what 10,000 years yeah 13,000 years 13, it's the dawn of farming years. and about yeah. 100,000 years do you know what I mean it's like the, million you know. years 10,000 you know 13 20,000 just so, and and in that time, whilst we may not have fundamentally changed in terms of biology, yeah, in terms of biology, yeah. we we have changed. We've learned lots of things. We do lots more things. Mm. You know, we're quite a good little. It, it doesn't trigger my imagination when I start thinking about something that's billion billion. You know, perhaps I, you know, I've maybe grown up enough from when I, you know, like from when I was six or seven when it just freaked me out. It's now less freaky and more just, you know, it's like I could say that it's an interesting thought exercise and I have, I am enjoying our conversation, don't you? Mm -hmm. But, but I think if I'm thinking about abstract things, 
there's things that are more near term that I find more maybe my just my frame of reference is just easier to get excited about so I can I I think there's something about all this that I just find uh, like a weird distraction that people have what's the point of thinking about it yeah do you think there's a gender bias I don't know if it's a gender bias. I mean, I don't know. Because you're a, Listeners, you're a, you're what a do you STEM think? girl. I'm a STEM girl. But you're still, sort of, for some reason, not bothered about... Uh, well, it's ironic that I get sort of relatively excited thinking about the incomprehensible vastness of space and time. But when it comes to, yeah, like eco-disaster and having making a positive environmental impact now, it's just pure depression and loss of control. Hmm. So maybe there's more... Maybe it's because it's safer to think about stuff on the next level up where it's just never going to actually affect you. Yeah, and it's not even going to... Like, I I wonder how traceable the DNA of a person who exists when this becomes an actual imminent problem, how traceable back to us that would be. Like, how far... I don't know, will we have actually biologically evolved by then and have... I think uh, we're going to be modifying our forms long before... I think, like, the next evolution, physical evolutions will not be... Biological, they'll be engineered. natural selection, they'll be bioengineering or kind of like... I think probably more likely that we just kind of like... Thing is, like, if you upload your brain, then... Anything goes, doesn't it? But then well, that yeah, can just I think, be turned off. But this off. is the thing about when you start talking. This is why space conversations are interesting. Because once you think about this future future that's so far away, then all sorts of futures are possible. You know, hmm. you know, you know. So, like, the, the, your conversation or the the conversation we often have about immortality. Hmm. You know, if you if you define yourself as the contents of your brain or your brain, I don't know if hmm. it's your physical brain or, like you say, download your brain. You know, is that who you are? And therefore, if that's who you are, what what does it matter what form you're living in? And whether that's bioengineered or is it, does it bear any resemblance to who or what you are today? But then I think what you look like today has probably had, like there's a symbiotic relationship between, possibly the wrong word, uh, between, you know, how you look and how how people look at you that's affected your interaction with the world, that's therefore affected your brain, which therefore has affected who you are. Uh, you know what I mean? Mm. You know, it's like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so this, like, the idea that you can separate the human mind from a human body is... It would never, you know, we are defined as much by our physicality as yeah. by our brains in, in a lot of ways. And yes, we are capable of sort of spacing away. But there's like if this is why artificial intelligence in a sort of abstract jar is never going to be able to be something that we recognize in the same way as a moving, walking around robot with consciousness. It's just going to be a different kind of thing. It's going to have different ways of interacting with its environment. Our way is hands eyes kind of what comes in and you know is if you've biomedically engineered a body that now you're much more strong you're much Mm. you know you're resistant to flames you can't drown you're all these things that you you that's fundamentally going to change your personality all the things that maybe even help you have empathy today or help you learn Mm. about empathy like you know little children somebody bashes them to get a toy off them and you know that all those kind of things it's like without those how without the vulnerability of our bodies Mm. how human are we 
Yeah. And how much are we us? Yes. Email us, grandpodcast.com, <laughs> with your answers to Ivanka's question. Hey. How? What was I forgot the question. <laughs> Without the vulnerabilities of our physical bodies, how human are we? That's hello at grandpodcast.com. <laughs> You were talking about some the, the Earth disappearing like, like, in a billion years. Yeah, so the Earth is going to disappear, and, and people and people look out to the stars and think, "Oh, I'm so insignificant to the vastness of space." You can get that vertigo just from. I think it was a common theme for you cavemen to uh, look up <laughs> at the stars saying? and feel that vertigo of unimaginable sort of like expanse, which we're kind of like we're insulated from a lot more now because there's light pollution. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but when you sleep out under the stars proper, if you go somewhere dark, dark, yeah, it's still amazing. Yeah, that's what I mean. But it used to be kind of a regular thing every yeah, night. You know, people say, oh, I, I, you know, when you think about the vast expanses of time, the vast distances of space, you think, oh, well, our lives are so insignificant. But you also have the option of going the other way and going, oh, if you look at a little ant or if you look at an atom or if you look at sort of like a quark, quark, how do you say a quark? <laughs> Weird to say. You have the choice to imagine nanoscale stuff as well. And when you look at it that way, we're kind of in the middle. <laughs> Does that make sense? Like scale-wise, humans, animals are kind of in the middle. Trees, plants, fish, sort of in the middle of that scale. And it's almost like... Maybe there's something interesting about this scale, about these time scales that we exist on, about just where we are in the universe, where it happens to have sort of like somehow got going. This is called the anthropic principle, which says, well, maybe we are the centre of the universe. Maybe just because something's bigger doesn't mean it's more, more significant. Maybe just because something's smaller doesn't mean it's less or, you know... Maybe, but maybe this is the scale at which things get really interesting and that this is huge. We are more significant than all of those stars in the sky because any one human's brain is the most complex thing in the universe that we know about. The way those neurons interact, we have, we're not even close to understanding, whereas we can look at space and kind of go, well, that's probably going to you can make predictions about the future quite easily about a lot of aspects of looking up at the stars and planets whereas when it comes to another human being in front of you you know no chance well i mean a lot of chance in a lot of ways but you know it's it's the most complex thing so maybe we should give ourselves a bit more a bit more weight in that equation when you said anthropic I was trying to remember something in donut economics where she talks about that um, and in the sense that we're in a post-anthropic... Post-anthropocentric. Yeah. So it's not about humans and we now have to make it whole world-centric. Well, no, but again, I've said this before, we don't care about the planet, we care about the planet sustaining human life. 
and animal life. But really, we care about ourselves, even yeah. if we think we're talking about the planet. We're talking about our ecosystem and our children. I mean, yeah, I mean, we're wired to think. Of course, we're wired to think about ourselves. But also, we are the first thing have, has ever existed, certainly on this planet, that has ever had a second thought about uh, ransacking the natural resources available to it. We are the first thing that has ever kind of gone, oh, maybe this isn't all there is to it. So I think we need to give ourselves a break there as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like nothing else, no other force in the universe has ever gone, maybe I shouldn't burn all this energy that I could really easily burn. Maybe what makes us more interesting is that we fight these, this sort of animal instinct, natural instinct, mm -hmm. planetary instinct. To, well, it's because we're to capable of conceiving out. a bit beyond what's in front of our faces so we yeah. can actually go, oh, well, okay, this is working for now, but it's going to run out in, you know, six months and then, yeah. then what? So maybe we should kind of like make it last. Yeah, <laughs> rein it in, delayed gratification. So, but okay, so let's say we are... Well, the conclusion to this isn't we're doing everything right and we don't have to change anything, but it's just like, I think a lot of people talk a lot of shit about how terrible humans are, but uh, fucking horses, they don't give a shit. There's <laughs> shit Ants, everywhere. what are they doing? <laughs> Trees? Come on. At least we're trying. <laughs> Ants just move things from A to B. Um... Planets? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck are they doing? <laughs> Just spinning. Spinning there, making gas. You, you started out, there's the big universe up there and then there's the mm. nano stuff down there and we're in the yeah. middle and maybe we're more important than we think. I was like, okay, okay, okay. Uh, so what? Why does that change our conversation about space? Uh, it just, uh, it, I was just trying to bring a bit of optimism to the unimaginable distances and, oh, you know, a bit of perspective. You know, it's not all about I mean, absolute size no, and or also, absolute time. One can experience... So whilst I'm not that sort of... I don't spend time imagining space travel and those kind of things, I get a lot of pleasure from looking up at the sky at full of stars with mm. you know picking out because i i'm lucky i spend places where there is less light pollution mm. <laughs> sometimes even no light pollution what I mean, some of the most amazing things i've seen i'm sure i've said this on the podcast was looking through a telescope and seeing the rings on saturn or the rings no, of saturn that. Like that's not just a drawing in a book of an illustration. Mm. It's that you can, you can actually see it. them with my eye. I can see them, and I'm not looking through a picture or a computer screen. I'm looking through mm. a non-computerized telescope. It's just bits of glass. So that sort of I can 100% get a load of enjoyment just from the sheer beauty of it. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty cool. It is really looks pretty cool, cool, especially once you start looking at those, you know, some of those... Um, Hubble. Hubble, yeah. When you start looking at some of those, it's not just black with a few stars. It's no, colours. It's, it's Guardians of, of the Galaxy. It looks like that. It's amazing. <laughs> it's, it's like absolutely 
amazing. There is no <sighs> doubt about it. Mm. There is no downplaying. It is not boring. That is not why I find it, or, you know, or it's not, it's not something I spend time on because it's boring. It's because it just doesn't, you know, like I can... Well, it's a bit boring because it's just landscapes. There needs what? to be an alien running around. There needs to be a story narrative. I think, so. I think I think that very thing that perhaps you know in deep sea makes me have a panic attack. In looking up to the sky, personally, fills me with that feeling of awe that is a pure joy to experience. Hmm. In, a, in a non-religious, just open your eyes and look up way. I think in that respect, thinking about space is amazing. You know, sunsets, all these things, all this light that's, regardless of how long it's taken to get here, it's all great. It's amazing to look at. Do you, ever, do you ever see such a spectacular, naturally occurring phenomenon that you're like, oh, looks fake? No. <laughs> okay, <go on. laughs> No, if I was looking on a computer screen, perhaps I would pause. But... No, in real life, like, that, that looks fake. That water looks CGI. <laughs> <laughs> no. For me, always is comes visually. Mm. I think I I I can if if music moves me, it's a different feeling for me. It's more from well, a, music can't get from Saturn to Earth. <laughs> there's no air. The music music experience is more sort of inside out. I don't know. Mm. Whereas if I look at if something that I'm seeing with my eyes is create it creates this sense mm. of awe. And I think it's noteworthy that I've got my arms wide, wide mm. apart and up in the air because that's how it makes like. <gasps> I was walking to a park the other day and uh, there's a small child in a in a push chair. And it just moon <laughs> in the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. Weird kids, tiny kid, two year olds want you know moon. They can pick the moon out on a sunny day if it shows up. They'll see it. It's quite funny mm. that 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 right. they uh, just a random tangent. The only thing up there. Like, <laughs> it's the only thing up there moon. of note. Boring old clouds. Um, um, music is funny, yeah, because music's very much about c- brains, about how brains work. Whereas yeah. eyes and sort of seeing these vist, seeing these amazing kind of visual phenomena is, is more about like what's like actually there. Yeah, I guess and it's slightly suppose, different. Yeah, it's type more of thing. much more tangible. Hmm. Like, even though it isn't when it's a space, but it feels like it. So, yeah, so I'm not dissing space. <laughs> You're not dissing space? Well, I'm good, because space. space will... Because, you know, it's just there and it's amazing. Um, and I'm glad you're thinking of ways to inject optimism, because one of the things I find quite unappealing about a lot of sci-fi stuff that's set in the future is always some bloody hmm. dystopian shitty future <laughs> well, anyway, then, it wasn't always that way but i then, want yeah, pretty the, stories about bunnies <laughs> and flowers bunnies in in, in space Bunny, uh, bunnies uh, in space well no that was a thing that was Peter in my rabbit uh, goes to the moon well that was in my um space colonization uh, report where i uh, i talked about the you know taking rabbits up there and stuff did you yeah for food Wow. Which I thought was funny at the time, but then I was like, oh, it's not that fun. People eat rabbits all the time. What am I on about? <laughs> anyway, little <laughs> rabbit holes running around. But, you know, I, I maybe we don't need to bother with all the meat once, you know, maybe it's only for vegetarians. We don't need to yeah. waste all well, that the, land I mean, on really, meat. vegetarians will inherit the earth, but at <laughs> <laughs> some point. You don't think it will be Mad Max style cannibals. I mean, that's not a good source of food. If you're relying on human meat... Like you really, that's the bottom of the barrel in terms mm. of convenience. 
Well, how would it? Anyway, let's look out. <laughs> okay, let's back go to back space. to your heat death of the universe. Yeah. Optimism. Hmm? Inevitable <laughs> demise. Inevitable demise. Aliens. But, but maybe that inevitable demise, I mean, in the same way, how is that different to just the fact that we're all inevitably going to die? Like, I think, isn't it uh, uh, part of our purpose to sort of live the best life we can? Surely. We are exercising the application of different perspectives, aren't we? I was going to say, we're just putting in perspective, love. We're just putting in perspective. Um, but then I've already said, you know, there's no reason that one perspective is any better than another. So we're just, I think we're, it's interesting to exercise those different perspectives. And I, I even just today thinking, okay, well, if we're, if we're going to get excited about terraforming other planets, then maybe we should, I mean, if we can figure that out, then that sort of then implicitly means that we can sort the Earth out as well once we've got to that. So gives you a bit of direction, doesn't it? A bit of blue mm. sky, black also, space thinking. Now that you've made me think about this, or I have spent the time talking to you and thinking about it, in fact, spending more time, perhaps what differentiates those people that sacrifice their lives for some sort of societal change or for something, you know, like there are many examples of people who have given their life for something. Mm. And I think the only way you can do that is to remove the significance of your own individual existence from the... Mm. And, and thinking of weirdly, the thought exercise of thinking about billions and billions of years helps do that. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's like, actually, you're, you're, you're totally relevant to the overall thing. So, you know, you might as well give your life to this cause or, or put mm. this choice over, you know, stop worrying. Stop worrying about your, I don't know, wh whether you've got the latest fashion and what you look like and just buy enough clothes to keep warm, dry, cool and, you know, be kinder to the environment. Well, what it does is, you know, on websites, they, they recommend that you have three different prices. So like the premium one and then the sort of normal one and then the like the basic one because of that psychological thing that people will kind of want the middle thing. Yeah. Right. It's just like space. If you make space option three, then sort of self-sacrifice. Yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. It seems like the middle option now. Inconvenience is suddenly become like, oh, well, yes, maybe perhaps I don't need all these things and I could <laughs> put a jumper on and turn the heating down and I could because, you know, it's not about this instant feeling right now, this second of my mm. life or this immediate comfort. That, I, that, that mm. That's it, Michael. We have solved it. <laughs> I was listening to who was saying this I was disappointed in them it was Mark Maron I think Mark Maron was sort of saying something about ah oh, the aliens probably if they do see us now they'll be like oh there's no hope for the, those guys it reminded me of, um, there's that amazing clip of Dan Aykroyd going, I think there are aliens, I think they're among us, but I, they have absolutely no interest in communicating with us, especially after 9-11. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I mean, that's just really the last straw. But I, I, I sort of had a similar response to Mark Maron going, well, you know, that... Because if I'm you think about, soft. like, what, how would aliens see us? Well, uh, I had this, I used to have this, like, I distinctly remember having this conversation with my mate Hazel when we were about 17, mm. walking up and down Hove Seafront, the promenade, mm. on a Sunday mm. afternoon. Because, you know, in them days, nothing was open on a Sunday. And go, we're both, and she goes, 
Do you know if aliens look down now, what would they think we were doing? <laughs> it's like there is a bit of that sort of absurdity of human busyness sometimes, I think, that if you think, I'm not sure they'd write us off. They'd just be looking at us going, hmm. And they started an alien equivalent of David Attenborough doing that sort of, and here we see. <laughs> the, uh, here we see the human being in its natural environment making up completely, making up work... Making, spending all of their day working very hard. When you see the daily actions of the human sitting down in rooms, talking about things together in a big group and taking notes, they go away and later they sit down, talk about things, take some notes. A few months later, we can see no evidence that any of this has made any difference, but they all look very unhappy about it. The primitive human being has not yet realised that a lot of their jobs with the rise of automation and technology have become bullshit jobs. And they have not reached the enlightenment that we reached long ago, focused on exploration, art, creativity, empathy, communication, and really just making sure that no one has a bad experience on, on our planet. Human beings still a long way to go. That's my review of the human race. That's my David Attenborough. Yeah, I think the thing, yeah. I I don't think they'd say they'd probably bleep bullshit because they're aliens and they're more sophisticated. But, (laughs) no, like, you you, you wonder about it. I always used to think, I bet alien music would be really funny because it would be so different to what we were expecting. But then I sort of thought, no, because something can't be funny unless it initially sets up an expectation based on a mutual shared understanding. So alien in its purest sense feeling, you know, it's how do you even, let's say they're just big. That's going to be awkward. Let's say they're just, their brains work 10% faster or 10% slower. That's going to be awkward. I don't know. Let's say they communicate with visual ticks rather than sound waves because they grew up somewhere without an atmosphere. Like, that's going to be awkward, but maybe a bit easier to do. That's like um, that last film, isn't it? Um, with the circles, circle aliens. <laughs> like, when you start thinking about the possible forms life could, intelligent life could take, is there anything particularly special about our you know, ten fingers, ten toes, two eyes. Two eyes sort of makes sense. Yeah, it does. Mouth on the front, face for communicating what's inside your brain in a bit more detail. Ears for catching quite a wide range of sounds. Yeah, like some of it sort of like... Two ears to help you work out where it's coming from. But when you look at those underwater things and you sort of see the different ways things could go, or even if you just go to Japan and go, oh, they do things weird here. (laughs) Just, um... Like Are it's, calling it's Japan alien land. <laughs> I'm saying Japan is weird. No, <laughs> it's just slightly different, slightly different sort of like base assumptions to our base assumptions, which lead to slightly different versions of the things that perform the same task. But mm, yes, I suppose the communication with, and I saw someone on Facebook saying, "Is maths?" Like, but, but that would be the shared language that we would have with aliens is okay, if you start from a certain set of assumptions, you can build out this whole world of possible equations and logical extensions to those base assumptions. And it's all the, the logical process there is, I think, not unique to humans at all. It's, you're, it's a discovery. 
of what logic results in or different hypotheses and then combining that with the fact that a lot of the more esoteric weird ideas that we've invented in maths end up applying to physics like imaginary numbers so the square root of minus one couldn't exist with normal numbers so if you say okay well if we have a square root but then that turns out to help you solve some equations of some basic physics stuff which then make you let you make predictions about the future even though it's based on this but anyway like so so that's why you know if you do communicate you probably got to do it through the stuff that was there to discover whereas music and art and culture are all pretty bound up with our particular brain structure and our history and our physical form. I don't know. Well, I think, I mean, you only need to change one small factor to have a very different experience or to have evolved. Like, even if they're humanoid or even mm. if they look like us, but there's just one point of difference. You know, everyone bangs on about our opposable thumbs being quite handy. <laughs> it's like, no, you know. Vital, vitally vital. important. <laughs> Like, me, what would happen if, I don't know, they had... Opposable toes. Opposable toes. How much more could they do? Opposable big toes. <laughs> or they had, like, I was going to say, extra eyes or eyes in, the, eyes in the back of my head. What what things would be useful? I don't they know. They didn't different... have hair. What if they thought our hair was weird? Well, it is kind of weird, isn't it? Dead it is. cells. I mean, a lot of things are weird when you think about them. Yeah, I was that, thinking about the, true. I was thinking about hair in terms of... A silhouette. Hair is important because it's sort of one of the ways that you create a silhouette. And we sort of initially we first see the silhouette, and then we see the detail after that. So I think like pop stars and people that want to be very immediately recognisable have a particular hairstyle shape. So that and because you can do it with clothes as well, but it's it's then that gets a bit inconvenient. But the hair that's your that's your silhouette. That's the first thing people see notice in the corner of their eye. and aliens, just because this is still about space. Yeah, aliens, I guess, still. Absolutely delighted by how much I enjoyed this chat. I was oh, not expecting good. to. I thought I was under knowledgeable on the topic and under caring about the topic. Mm. <laughs> no. Actually, no, I definitely. But sometimes got... I think I think for me, some of the conversations are more fun when I don't care as much because then I can be a bit more relaxed and not be <laughs> like, no, good. but listen to me and my <laughs> point that I want to make. So, well, yeah. what about what okay, about so Brexit well, though? What about, what about Brexit? <laughs> well, anyway, so I'm I'm but with with that I'm uh, I'm just going to go off and try and sneak into America so that I can join Donald Trump's space force. <laughs> space force. <laughs> for listening everybody that listened if you like the podcast 
why not go to grandpodcast.com make sure you're subscribed i mean mainly just make sure you're subscribed in your podcast app and if you want to email us you can email us hello at grandpodcast.com um where can people find you ivanka people can find me at ivanka on twitter and they can find me at michaelforestmusic.com where there are many things that i have made uh what can people do what else can anyone do if they like it and why should they what would be really nice and helpful is a if you could tell people about the podcast b please. if you could go just tell somebody now random stranger at a bus stop i pleased your b on the train yes disturb well, a I mean, commuter yeah, just don't bother say what are you listening to that sounds see shit. someone over Listen there you this. fancy go and tell them about our podcast it's a Is great it? conversation opener <laughs> anyway yes uh, tell somebody about it uh, write a review give us some stars um you know put a little social link out there that people can click on because you know people don't like to look for things if you are going to subscribe get hold of their phone subscribe them and then it's there yeah. and they might listen to it thanks for listening though thank you for listening we love you we love you. <laughs> we love that you're listening. I love that you're listening. I find it. I, do you know? I still think it. Yeah, I find it weird that I, I feel like this is people are listening to Ivanka's podcast, and I am incidental to it in my mind. But that's not true. That's is how it? I think of it too. Is my <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. Bye. 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 bye.